crooked here. Huh. So better or worse? Um, oh, uh, more to the left or my left. Um, so you're right there. That's good. Right there. Right there. Oh, uh, now it's tilted again. Uh, right there. Right here. Yep. Okay. There we go. Very nice. Let me slow mode is on. Send message every five seconds. So that means slow mode for individual people or slow mode for the entire chat. I don't know. Yeah. world i guess yeah so welcome to rcr number 100 oh we need a hold for sound probably yeah probably i'm just yeah. uh adding the links so that people know to come it um, is warm again it is hot again it is milky and soupy and dumb every piece of concrete is wet i have moss on my walkway so instead of weeding the weeds out of the cracks in the walkway, like leading out to my garage, I've been just using a blowtorch and just cooking the weeds as they sit. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's working. It's like, I don't feel like going out and buying pesticides because I'm like looking at pesticides and they're like $25 a bottle. Yeah. But a can, but a like a cylinder of propane is $15. Yeesh. And I can use that for a lot of different stuff than just killing weeds. You know, I can I can use it for loosening nuts. I can use it for starting a campfire. I can use it for starting the grill. Um and so but like after we got back from riding, I didn't immediately start working on the Sarah, although I did make progress while, while you were gone. Yeah. Um, I'm just out, like I have this little sort of brick patio uh, outside and it's just weeds just grow up like, like crazy. And I'd be sitting there with like the weed whacker and the weeds are strong enough that I actually have a, like a little trunk, like they're thick coming out of here. And yeah. the weed whacker is just not beefy enough to, to knock them all down. So now I'm out there with the propane torch, just like cooking them, cooking the weeds between the bricks. And uh, it seems to be working. They they shriveled up a little bit. But the surprising thing was the moss. The moss? I could hold the uh, blowtorch blow to it or the butane torch to butane, propane torch to it. And they're still green. They like glow red and then I pull it away and I'm like, how are you still green? And then I just hold it to them and then they don't burn. They just slowly turn black yeah. and then we'll see what happens tomorrow. So, yeah. Someone says you need a metal plate on the weed whacker. I don't know what that means. Uh, I see some people when they, they attach what looks like to be uh, wire wheels to the end of their weed whacker. And that works, but I just have the dinky electric one that came like in the variety pack from my Orby. Um, 
So that's what I've been using. So, so anyway, I gotta be extra douchey with all this. Yeah. It's just mm -hmm. fantastic. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. won an award. I want a thing. Oh, uh, hold for oh, they sound. got you. They they gave, they gave me a medal, medal because I was also a runner-up in another category. Oh, what was the other category? Um, uh, personality profile. So it was for the Harley Earl Corvette story. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was very nice. So, I guess hold for sound and we'll hmm. rock and roll. Okay, holding for sound now. Welcome everyone to RCR podcast number 101, Nick Lowell's Roman, because uh, this, look, look at this. Look at that. Like, I won an award and they spelled my name wrong, which is okay. I don't really mind. I'm probably wildly out of focus, but. There it is. Hold yeah, it there. Like, I, I don't know how you spell Nicholas wrong, but I don't really mind or care because when Ric Flair got his big gold belt back in the 1980s, mm -hmm. they spelled his name wrong when it was, uh, mm -hmm. you know, first revealed or unveiled. And so I figured like there's kind of a nice little bit of um, character to it. Yeah. So anyway, I'm Nick. I'm Brian. And this is an Automotive Heritage Award for, um, I believe, uh, yeah, best audio or video for my RCR story on the Algar Ferrari heist. Um, I am now wearing pit vipers because mm -hmm. as a winner of an award of some kind, I am going to flex on that. Mm -hmm. I also got a silver medal because I was um, a runner up in the personality profile category for the Harley Earl uh, Corvette RCR story. So yeah, I'm incredibly thankful for the fine people at the Automotive Heritage Foundation for gifting me this incredible award and honor that was custom designed. Really, I don't mind that the name is misspelled. I think it's hilarious. Um, and yeah, I, I just can't wait to be in like the background of like an RCR video with this where there's just no explanation to it. Mm -hmm. And the only people who really understand are the people who are tuning into the podcast Yeah, of like, what is this? Why is Roman wearing pit vipers and holding <laughs> a thing like this and just mm -hmm. like, you know, splaying out with freaking like dad. Yeah, stomach. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So that was like a blast. Um, I mean, I didn't get to go to the ceremony because I kind of short notice and I was kind of wiped out from all the travel related to my brother's wedding. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can't really complain like at all. And the automotive heritage awards, like the actual ceremony is on YouTube now on the automotive oh, heritage cool. foundations channel. And, um, yeah, it's nice hearing your name, uh, called out and it's, I don't know. It's, it's weird because this was one of like my resolutions, back in like, I want to say 2019 where mm -hmm. like, I would really like to win something for something. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just entered on a lark and entered a bunch of, uh, or not a bunch. I entered like mm -hmm. four RCR videos and I figured like when they say like you won, they, they don't tell you what you won for. Mm -hmm. Um, so I assumed it was for like the Vanagon or like one of the, um, I forget what the fourth video was that I entered, but I figured it was going to be like an RCR video and not something that I would win on my own. And I was preemptively feeling guilty because I'm like, well, um, I'm winning for something that will have my name on it because I entered it, but it's mm -hmm. not my work. And so I was like preemptively feeling guilty. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, I find out that like, I actually won for something that I did. That was one of my videos. It was like the most bizarre and wonderful feeling and I can't complain about it. So, um, yeah, 
thank you to everybody who watched that video and who support RCR stories. Um, I normally don't like do the whole announcement ahead of time, but the next one is on Saab. Um, and I have to announce that because that's the reason why it's taking so long. I need to get this, like I want it to be the most comprehensive Saab history video on YouTube, mm -hmm. which is a very tall order. And so I'm roping in people who know a lot about Saab. Um, I can't recall his last name, but Jeff, uh, yeah, I think you know who I'm talking about. Um, uh, or, and if you don't, I'll, I'm sure it's something where like, yeah, I don't know. He's a guy who knows a lot about Saab. He has a book he can loan me. Um, I can interview him for it, pick his brain, let him look over the script, see if there's anything I'm missing that uh -huh. absolutely needs to be in there. Yeah. Um, now comprehensive doesn't mean all inclusive. It doesn't mean definitive. Like I want it to be comprehensive, but there are some things that I'm not going to get to. Like, if I'm talking about the Saab 99 or the Saab 99 Turbo, I'm not necessarily going to talk about like every single trim level in between, yeah. like the EMS or the E or any of those things. But I do want to tell a fairly decent story. And it's going to be a long video. Like I'm talking, you know, the length of the AMC video, if not longer, mm -hmm. which I told myself I wasn't going to do again. Nah. And, but here I am anyway, because, you know, uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. And <laughs> so, I want to have it out by like late October, early November. Cause I'm also going into the studio in October to record like an EP. Nice. So it's like, I have a very full fall where I keep busy because being busy is like awesomeness to me. I'm hanging out um, with Brad L. Bard on mm -hmm. Monday who are, uh, whose bus we just reviewed Yeah. because which brings me to the next point. Yeah. I bought a second car. You bought uh, a new car. Yes. Um, uh, uh, 2008, Kia Rio with a manual transmission. Yes. And the whole purpose is now here's the thing. Um, people are going to want to revoke my car guy card for that, but I can drive stick. I cannot do it. Well, like I, it's, there is something in my brain that will not allow it to actually click for me. So I, if I'm going around town, like I'm fine, but you know, when the time comes to like merge, I just kind of like avoid it. It's something where like, everything in my body just sort of tenses up. Mm. I can feel a panic attack coming and I'm just like, no, I'm not going to do this. So, um, I'm going to have this Kia Rio for however long it takes for me to actually get good and become natural yeah. at it. And Brad L Bard is going to hang out with me while I do this. Cause I need someone who's like good at driving manual to actually be in there with me, which is funny because it's like, there are a lot of people in my life who drive manuals, but I don't want to like, put them in that position where they're going to be continuously frustrated because I'm a very f difficult person to teach things to. I tried teaching you. Yeah. Of course, I'm a bad teacher, even though I was a teacher. I've never practiced teaching stick. And I learned to drive stick when I was like eight, 18. Or it's like 17 or 18. I think it's at some point in high school, it, it was either sophomore year or junior year. I think it might have been junior year which would put that at like 98, 99. Yeah. And I learned to drive stick on my mom's 1975 MGB. Yeah. And somewhere during that school year or somewhere during the summer, it just clicked for me. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this is how you do this. Yeah. And then never had to think about it for 20, now like 23 years. And that's the thing. It's like you're kind of the Shawn Michaels of – uh driving in the sense that appropriate enough because people keep saying uh, uh macho man with those oh, glasses oh yeah, oh, yeah. Huh? cream of the crop 
I should go get another pair. And like, it shouldn't be addressed. For, yeah. And of course, I won't be able to read this. Thing, yeah. But. See everything twice. Yeah. See everything twice. Um. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who I know that I'm a very frustrating person to teach. There are a lot of things that I should know that I just don't and things that I should be able to be good at that I'm just, it takes a long time for them to click for me. Like my girlfriend could probably teach me to drive stick, but I don't really want to put her through that. And um, even though she's very sweet and might choose to endure that for my sake, uh, but ultimately, it's no one else's responsibility but mine. And I don't want anyone else to feel beholden to teach me. There is a sense of impotence that goes into not knowing how to do this or not being able to do it well. And so I want to resolve that situation. And so I will have this Kia Rio for as long as necessary. But what's funny about it is, okay, like you uh, picked it up and drove it home with me or for me. And what's hilarious about it is I felt so bad for uh, you because it had no air conditioning. It has no power yeah. steering. It has no radio. It's like the mega powers. Yeah. I, uh, I, okay. That 2008 Kia Rio is very endearing to me because somebody bought a Kia Rio in 2008 new that had no power steering or air conditioning windy windows, manual mirrors. I have never, I thought this level of base car didn't exist anymore. That just went away in the nineties. But here is a car from like, you know, the second Obama administration that doesn't have anything in it. The weird thing is that there's no power steering. Yeah. Like who wants to subject yourself to that? And I'm like, it is fun when I'm on the highway. And when we're on back roads, I'm like, this feels like a track car. This is awesome but I'm gripping a normal wheel, which yeah. is kind of a little bit mushy and soft because yeah. that wheel was never meant to be gripped that way. And you saw it has that wear mark on, on the top. Yes. Like I want to buy you like a Nardi steering wheel or something for that car, something you can actually grab onto yeah. that's meant to be used on a manual transmit or, or a manual steering car. The no air conditioning I can live with because I drove the Falcon. And as long as you have the windows down, and maybe put some earplugs in for the highway. It's not really that bad. Plus, you only have to deal with it on the hottest of days. Yeah. And and then the no the no radio is like, ugh. I wish I'd remember to just bring my Bluetooth speaker. Yeah. Just to like have something in there. So already, I I, I want to see like the when you get to the point that you can drive it up here and deal with the hill starts and everything. On the way here, we'll try to put the old Subaru head unit in. Hmm. And then while we were driving, I pulled half the dash off <laughs> because <laughs> I just grabbed it on top where the air vents are, where the yeah. hole is, where the double din's supposed to be. And I just got my fingernails in there and it just went pop, just pulled back. Oh, this just comes off. Yeah. The only thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get in there and, and take the little clips off of where the little clock is up there. Yeah. And then the only two buttons up there, which is like recirc and like hazards. No, it's just the hazard button and the rear defroster. Yeah. Those are the only two buttons on that bezel. And you probably, like, I don't know how much give there is in the wiring harness. It probably isn't much. So you have to unclip those, pull that off, and then see where your mounting points are. I didn't really futz around in there, so I don't know where the mounting points are. Yeah. But the whole, like, not having a radio thing, which just bugged the crap out of me. 
But I guess for you, for the beginning part of driving, you're going to just be listening to the engine anyway. Yeah, no, I don't. I wouldn't want to be distracted by anything anyhow, because I need to be able to um, center myself in the grand continuum of eyeglasses. the eyeglasses. Are not these. Hmm. Yours are smaller than mine, so yeah. they might. I mean, you um, but yeah, I remember like we had our radios on oh, yeah, us. They do. And you mentioned, like, please be advised, I'm switching over to the weather yeah, station yeah, yeah. so I have something to listen to. For a while, I'm like, like this poor man doing the, this for the for for me. The radios that we use, we were just talking back and forth on the same radios we use while talking between cars while filming. And it has a weather band, so I just listened to the weather band for a while. Yeah. Luckily, that was, like, towards the end where we were getting back to, like, my apartment. And I just, once we were there, like, once I was able to look at it a little bit from a distance, I'm like, this is really pretty from the outside. It's, it's like, a, it's a nice car from the outside. I mean, like my girlfriend likes it and that's like a big seal of approval. And your jerk for girlfriend me. can drive stick. Yeah. Does she already drive it around? Oh uh, no. Okay. Oh, yeah. But it's, I bet she's going to hate the no power steering because you can't really turn the wheel when the cars, <laughs> you have to get it started before you can actually crank that wheel over. Yeah. Um, and taking turns is interesting because the more you want to take the turn, the harder you have to use the wheel. You can't one-hand it. Yeah. No. I don't know if there's a difference in the ratio between uh, power steering and non-power steering racks on those cars. It felt like pretty fast steering. I think the difference, the ratio difference is like a confidence difference of do you believe in yourself enough to be able to make up the difference? Of yeah. like, do you have that trust in yourself? And I don't have that trust in myself yet because I'm a naturally for what? Like just the lack of power steering. Oh, uh, I mean, it's 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 like thirty pounds on on a lap pull down rack. Mm. That's it. It's right. just well, eh, eh. You know, it. I mean, it wouldn't be my first experience without power steering. You drove the Falcon. Yeah, I mean, it's like that. It's like that. Yeah, I and the old Super eighty eight and yeah, the yeah. yeah, like the Aspen. It's when, like, when you're on the highway, there's like a bunch of play, and it's interesting to feel like a modern car with no power steering because you can feel how much it wants to go straight. On the highway, you go to turn, and it's like, ooh, there's a good amount of resistance here. And the second you let that wheel go, it snaps back straight again. Yeah. You know, the motion of the car going straight just pulls the wheels straight. When you have electric power steering or, or um, you know, hydraulic boosted steering, it just, it resists that. So you can, you know, drive with one hand. But um, what's the difference between the curb rate on the Falcon and the Rio? Well, probably originally not much. An original Ford Falcon only weighs 2,800 pounds. Mine was probably 3,200 by the time with the new engine and the frame strengthening and bigger transmission and, well, bigger rear end. So uh, maybe it's close to 3,005. Um, but the difference is also, actually, I had a rack that even when we put a different manual rack in, like originally the Falcon didn't have a rack. It had a steering box, pitman arm, traditional, more like a Jeep. Um, that's just what they used back then. And the ratio was so crazy generous on the original Falcon steering box. You could steer it. You could drive it with one hand, but it was so geared low that there was no finesse on the highway. Yeah. Like there's video of Nick just like centering himself on a street and it's, he almost does a handover. Yeah. You have to turn the wheel that much mm. versus when we had a traditional rack and pinion put in it, then it, it was definitely, uh, uh, 
to turn that thing in a parking lot. <laughs> and it's got, but the, but the upside was the wheel was physically large. So you had more leverage. Now in the Rio, you have a traditional wheel, but no power steering. So, you know, it's, it's a smaller lever. So it feels like there is more effort there, even though the car is, is lighter and the wheels are smaller. Yeah. Uh, apparently the story of this car, um, I'm going to go make a drink while you, oh, while you tell it. Go for it. Um, yeah, the guy that I got it off of, this was a sub $1,500 car and it was, um, and for the condition, I mean, that's an incredible price. Uh, and I think for the most part, as he explained it, it was, um, a pilot of some sort like the guy that i got it from a young guy he's only the second owner of the car he had um he mentioned something about like over the course of the past like decade or so or pl decade plus i don't know he's had something in the realm of like 55 cars because he's always like fixing it up and then so he's you know either flipping cars or just constantly changing so like when we showed up at the auto tag place like the people there already knew who he was um and yeah he was only the second owner the first owner was a pilot but the pilot wanted everything like as base as possible which made no sense because he was just looking for transport to work like the bare minimum transport and so that's how i ended up with this very uh base level functionality car but which is very much um still functioning it passes inspection you know it's it runs well i have no complaints whatsoever and uh, because i have like tested it out since um acquiring it got it on facebook marketplace because i guess that's the new craigslist now and so what are you gonna do it's uh very um it's nice for what it is and i and i didn't even realize until after I'd already like committed to getting it that we've never actually reviewed a Kia Rio before. So that's like something that we could potentially make a video out of. So now granted, like you getting something because we haven't done it yet I is not off the wagon. Jen Martini in the middle of the day. Ooh. Ooh. Don't worry. I'm doing sober October. I'm gonna get back on the wagon. But not today. Oh, yeah. yeah. If I would be a Rick Sanchez, my drink would be this. Mmm, yes. Oh, that is so good. Isn't it delightful? Oh, I would imagine. Fuck yes. I mean, you, you don't know what happens, kids. <laughs> Eventually, your taste buds will change, and things that were once bitter become amazing. Uh, I think you your taste buds want to be challenged uh, as you get older. It's like there was too much richness at lunch. Like that sandwich I had. Oh yeah, the Carolina. It was like double fried chick. It didn't honestly need the bread. The bread was too much. Yeah. If I ever get that again, just give me the chicken. There's so much starch in this. Yeah. F me. No. It's still the Aunt B is at the top of the list. Yes. Yeah, keep I try other things on the menu. And unlike the old place we used to go, where like order anything, anything's great. Of course, I always always order the same thing. Yeah, I think it's like I can't top the Aunt B because yeah. they make everything so rich there, because it's more like southern southern style cooking in this one coffee shop we go to yeah. that the dryness of the of the biscuit yeah. counteracts 
Actually, well, it's well, just bacon. And, yeah, and well, egg like, and... we'll explain. Like the ant bee is a fluffy country biscuit, and uh, it is a um, egg. Yeah. Um, slices of green apples. Yeah. Bacon. Bacon and apple butter spread. Yes. Yes. And they all they shouldn't work. Or I mean, or maybe it should. I don't know. It's, I just know it works exquisitely. Physical construction. I have to eat that thing with a knife. Yeah, it because falls. it falls apart. Yeah. The, the the biscuit has no structural integrity. No. But that's because it's a good ass biscuit. Yeah. And they were out of biscuits today, so I ended up getting the um other sandwich whose name I forget. But it's literally the ex almost the exact same thing as an ampy, except without the apple slices. And it's on a cinnamon raisin bagel instead of a biscuit. You know what, I wonder if I can get the ampy if I can just ask for the ampy with a croissant. So that's yeah, you probably could. Like yeah. especially if they're out of biscuits. Yeah. Which is wild because it's like it's not even noon yet and they're out of biscuits. Like this place must be doing buku business. Biscuits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that place does have a lot of like takeout orders, people who just kind of yeah, show up. Yeah, it has up. that window on the side where you can just walk up. Yeah. And we're like the guys who are always like just sitting there and hanging out. And yeah. people usually, unless they're of an older crowd, they don't generally like hang around. No. Like, I don't think that place is ever packed, but they do good business. Occasionally, you'll get a family to come in and kind of take over the place. Yeah. Which, in that case, like, there's been some times where, where we wrote solo. I just would sit outside on the porch. Yeah. And like right there. So there's only so much baby a person can take. Ugh. Um, which I mean, I'm child <laughs> free. It's the way to be. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, I shouldn't say child free is the way to be child free is the way for me to be. To, I guess I'll have to be content with all this disposable income. I love, love, love being an uncle. I love yeah. it to death, but that's because that's not my, like I can give them back. And I mean that in the sweetest possible way is that like I am an, a complement to their lives, not the entirety of what shapes them into the person they become. Yeah. I can help that along. Um, hopefully I would, I would hope that I've instilled some nerdiness into, you know, the kids like my, like instilled the value of nerdiness to yeah. like my nephews and my niece. But other aspects of me, like my nephew's mom, uh, my oldest nephew's mom mentions how like he acts like me sometimes or mm -hmm. says things like me, or he has this habit of like, if he comes into the kitchen or to like her room and she's sitting there, he'll lean in the doorway, which is a thing that I do where I have this habit of just kind of like not fully entering a room. If I just have a quick thing to say, I just kind of lean in the doorway and I'm just like, eh, whatever. Um, but yeah. It's just, it's funny the things that people pick up, I suppose, from you um, over time. Wait, I, I want a selfie just here. Wait. <laughs> I forget who I'm, I'm going to send that to. Yo, bro. Want to cuddle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a car on... Uh, a Jeep that I was uh, stuck behind mm. that had a decal that said like want to cuddle in a mud puddle <laughs> and it was a welcome break from all the salt life decals that I've been stuck behind. I don't get it. I don't get it. Why all the salt life? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I get it. You want to be <laughs> I go. I don't get it. I get it. Um, I get that you want to live 
buy a beach so that you can go to a beach whenever you want. And ideally, you would want it to be the perfect weather so you can go to a beach year-round. But going to the beach should not be your identity. Uh-huh. You should not be uh, nestled uh, tight within the crucible of, of you know, coral sands and yeah. and uh, you know waves that are wildly inconsistent and sand castles that are really more like sand uh, not castles i don't know how to yeah. talk all i'm saying is i don't think that salt life and i know that like everybody who gets a salt life bumper sticker probably thinks that they're the only one who has it you know, or that they're the only one who gets it, or at least the only one who gets it with that image in the middle, because each salt life bumper sticker, you get the ones with text, or you can have ones with like a little design in the middle, like a skull or the sandals or a turtle. And that's all well and good. It's just, I don't see, this is like my old man coming out. Like, I don't like the beach. So I just kind of extrapolate that to thinking that I don't get why anybody likes a beach, but mm-hmm. I get why people like the beach because it can be relaxing. It can be very nice to have your feet in the sand and to just listen to the surf and listen to the sounds and to soak it all in. And the smell is very alluring and it's just a, a sensory experience. But for me, that's never been something that I craved or desired. Mm, yeah. And maybe that's because all like my closest beaches are in New Jersey, but yeah. I just don't, I'm not about that life, that salt life. The only salt life that I'm about is the, how messed up my car gets every winter. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a miracle that Betty hasn't been like, yeah, we can't pass this for inspection. She's just like, bummed. Yeah. Um, I, like I'm happy. She still has pinch welds, <laughs> but I can't complain. Yep. Um, Goldie doesn't. Yeah. Which brings me to another point. People already know. I mean, Goldie's done. Uh, the camera car, the Subaru wagon is done. I mean, we're still going to review it, finally give it its send off, but it's not going to pass inspection next year. Now, I have until next like June or May or June to find a replacement. And hence why I'm saying yes to sponsors, because it's like this is the worst time to buy a car. Of course, it had to like it could be worse. It could have just like broken and I'm going to be bent over a barrel and just have to buy a car, but I got a year to get my act together. And I know the only type of car that could possibly replace a second gen Forester other than a second gen Forester <coughs> is a Toyota 4Runner. But I don't know enough about each generation. I like the idea of having a third gen Forester or third gen 4Runner because I know that's narrow enough to fit in my old garage. But you know, good luck finding a really nice one. Now, if other sponsors, the weird thing was like after I did the sponsor for keeps, I got a bunch of emails from like others. Yeah. And I just gave them the, I don't want to do it price. We'll see what happens. Oh, were any of them Adam and Eve? Well, actually you shouldn't say, um, no, none of them were Adam and Eve. I've always wanted, what is Adam and Eve? Yeah. Sex toy. Hell yeah. Yeah. I would be totally down with that. Yeah. Uh, none of them were blue chew and none Aww. of them. Were, come on, man. Come on, blue chew. I got no blue chew. I got no cushy dreams. We um, we literally just sat in a cafe a while back, a few yeah. hours ago, talking, uh, making dick jokes and not whether or not like you can talk about busting. Yeah. On we the internet. Like, like, what words can I use that the YouTube algorithm won't catch me on? Yeah. So I would get down with Manscaped. Too. What's the closest state without inspections? Ohio. Ohio doesn't. Oh, uh, Tim Strickler said Ohio is where Pennsylvania cars go to die. 
<laughs> because they don't have state inspections over there. So your rusted out car that won't pass in Pennsylvania, we just fine in Ohio. So God, I miss Tim Strickler. Yeah. That's a good man. Yeah. Yeah. He said when you're buying, like you don't buy an Ohio car. You never buy an Ohio car. So with me finding a forerunner, I'm open to the idea because we have we haven't seen uh, Nugget and Monica Harrison in a long time, and they live in Houston. So I'm open to the idea of flying to Houston, buying a Texas car, and driving it home. Um, now, my budget for a forerunner right now is ten grand, which a year and a half ago would have been just fine. I'd buy a decent four use forerunner. With like 170, 180,000 miles. You can find those for 10. Can't find them now. I looked at some forerunners that were at like, you know, Ma and Pa, like used car dealerships. Yeah. That were for 10 grand and they were in sorry shape. Yeah. They're like missing parts. I get yeah. underneath, it's the frame has been spray painted. Like you painted over the rust. Like this is dumb. And like I would offer them eight and they wouldn't take it because they knew they could just take it to an auction and just get 10 for it. And I'm like, yeah. you're probably right. That's the thing. Yeah. The Toyota tax is real. So now it's like, I think I need to spend $25,000 on a decent forerunner if I had to buy one now, which is what I don't want to do. Yeah. But if those, you know, we'll see what happens if the other sponsors like say yes to stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, that's the whole reason I'm doing those, those sponsorships <laughs> is like, only a Toyota 4Runner will do, and this is the worst time. But, you know, what a problem to have that, you know, people are offering me money to hawk stuff. You know, I feel bad about it because, like, RCR rarely does these things. I mean, yeah. we did that Bluetooth speaker a while ago, and that's only because that they let me do whatever I wanted. Yeah. Like, I don't have to read copy. Yeah. But now it's like, well, I either spend your money poorly or I spend somebody else's money. So yeah. what? I think that's like a Justin Burnash line. Like, why spend your own money when you can spend somebody else's? It's true. And then we can just keep putting like Patreon and Super Chat money into the travel budget yeah. and not have to worry about keeping the show, like spending that on a ridiculously overpriced Forerunner. Well, the thing with like the Forerunner is that I always feel like, in theory, the things that you want for a camera car shouldn't be that hard to find. Right. But it's always like this uphill battle to find them because for whatever yeah. reason, the market changes and suddenly yeah. those things become more rare in quantity and quality. Slate for Slate 420 had the exact answer. It's the back window. Yes. Yeah. It's the back window sells me on the forerunner. The forerunner will do everything I need it to do and also be a car that I can drive for 10 years and not have to worry about a damn thing. I mean, the Subaru had its own Subaru problems and we did timing belt, water pump. Pull, uh, idler pulley and there was there was some maintenance whereas i know if i buy a good forerunner as long as you get one that like like buy one from the south that's been taken care of great good change the oil that's it now some of the older ones still had timing belts uh only i think the fifth gen had timing chains so that's something to look out for um the only thing a forerunner isn't going to be as fast no. um I, I think a forerunner is going to be just as fa just as slow as a uh, especially a V6. Oh, you should get the V8 <laughs> one. You should buy the one with the second gen, the 2UZ V8, because it's the last of the V8. You should buy the second, 
fourth gen forerunner with the v8 because it's the best engine you're gonna have the toyota with the v8 you're gonna have here's the thing about the 2uz yes it's god's engine next to the ls 2uz is fantastic um the 2uz versus the um whatever uh the v6 option for the forerunners they make the same they make like 10 more horsepower yes they make a bunch more torque but there's only two reasons you want there's only two reasons you settle for the fourth gen V8 Forerunner is one you want to brag to say you have a V8, <laughs> and two you're towing something. For just running around, you don't need that much power. Yeah, uh, the V6 is just fine. Uh, so yes, metal tie down loops. You're correct, and a rear window that rolls down so I can use higher f stops. Why don't you get a GMC Suburban? You can buy that, and that has an LS, and you can put a turbo LS in the GMC Yukon uh, Suburban, and you can do that. The back window flips up. You can just, I'm not driving with the back window up like that because that that attracts looky loots. You yeah. wouldn't think so, but just that little bit of oddity, eh, yeah. eh. I don't need that. And this is already an area with nosy people. So yeah. So I gonna... like the idea. Uh, rear window fall comes down. We can film, and when we're done, uh, comes right back up, and it's nice and flat. So you're you're gonna get not so much of that reflection of the floor. Sometimes yeah. you can see the floor of the Forester, and uh, and also I live in a house now, and it'd be nice to have something that can move big stuff. Now I'm and thankfully, won't you buy a pickup truck? Because then I become pickup truck guy. And hey, I heard you have a pickup truck. Uh, you know, hey, uh, I got some stuff that needs moving. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Besides the window, I that Toyota Venza. No. Uh, but yeah, I get the Venza. Yeah. But yeah, you get the four wheel drive. But the idea, I like things that are not complicated. Yeah. And a forerunner isn't complicated. I mean, like they it barely changes. And I was watching like old like consumer reports and like road and track. And the biggest complaint they have about forerunners, like, they're not comfortable. It feels too much like a truck. And I'm like, yeah, that's because it's a truck. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's as a live rear axle. What do you want? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, people will continue, and I mean this with like the love and respect of uh, a loving uh, fan base like ours, but yeah. it's that people will continue to make suggestions of cars you should get instead of a forerunner, yeah. rather than making suggestions of "Hey, I found a forerunner." Yeah, yeah. Like that's what that's the move. <laughs> it's yeah. not "Hey, how about this?" It's like it's going to be a forerunner if yeah. it if it's we would prefer for it not to cost exor like exorbitant sums mm -hmm. it, but hey if you are in an area where you have a reasonable forerunner and, and if you're in ohio you can forget about it i'm not <laughs> buying an ohio car mm. um if you're in texas in the houston area um just because it's like an excuse to go see monica and nugget yeah, um good people uh, and also, like the forerunners in Houston are cheaper than they are. Of course, now Philadelphia's out. I'm not buying a car after, well, after no, the after, flood. Yeah, last I'm week. I'm not buying a Philly car. We got sunk. It was insane the amount of rain that we got mm -hmm. and how high the water levels got to the point where, like, yeah, it's like you're now saying. They're all flood cars. They're all flood cars. Fuck and them. I don't trust some of the dealerships in the area to be straightforward about that. Yeah. That, you know, it's 
something where these were cars that were just sitting on lots and honestly like what else were they going to do like i feel bad for the people who run these businesses yeah. because there's no way to protect against that unless you have some sort of elevated garage of some kind i was talking to one guy when i was looking at one of the forerunners it was up in danville and uh i this was before the hurricane hits and this guy was super cool and i wanted to buy his forerunner just because he was such a cool and he was like a like a, like the type of dad of, that the the uh the lawful good dad <laughs> yeah and um you know i offered him nine and he didn't want to he he wanted ten and a half and i offered nine for the forerunner and he said nah but it was a very casual nah and i'm yeah. like okay that's cool and the thing is, I hung out with him for like a good 20 minutes, like not even talking about his car because the guy also had like four or five school buses wow. in his uh, lot that was part of like the Danville school district. So like I was there when school was letting out. So like no one can leave because the buses are coming in and out. <laughs> and we got to move cars so that he can park the buses. Yeah. And he was super cool. He was totally chill, not a care in the world. And he said, oh, yeah, prices of cars are going to come up. We're going to lose a lot of them for this winter, but I've seen that before. And I said, Oh yeah. Remember the hail? And he said, that was the greatest day of my life. <laughs> it ruined my entire stock. I got one big check because my insurance covered it all. I wish that could happen every year. <laughs> He's like, I don't care. He's like, the, and it's like, I'm not even concerned about the slot. I don't have parking barriers or ever. You want to have a semi trucks, take half of this out. Great. Write me a check. I can <laughs> fill my parking lot up at the auctions in a week. Damn. And I'm like, but it's not even like in a boastful way. It's like, this, this is the fact of life. I've been selling cars for forever. I've seen everything. Yeah. No worries. He let me use it. He let me take my flashlight, gave me the, you know what? He gave me the key to the forerunner and said, I got to run an errand. I'll be back. But my friends run in the shop. Yeah. Uh, and then this friend said, Hey, I got to go run an errand. We'll be back. <laughs> like the dealership just closed and I'm there with the key to the foreigner. No one's around. Yeah. Now that now it didn't have a plate on it, but it's still like you could have been, been shady about it, but it was that level of trust. Yeah. So I just hung out. I looked at every part of the forerunner. Yeah. The frame was painted. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind it was nice. It had like a the third row option, which we would have just taken out. Yeah. Cause we don't need that, but it'd be neat to have that for like through hikers and stuff. And God, he was, he, he was, and then I drove the Sarah up and he was, I took him for a ride in that. And it was one of these things where I almost wanted to kind of come back and give him his asking price, but you know, the whole frame being painted and like the dash mm. was cracked and like the one good thing that the forerunner had going for it is that the, the bolstering wasn't crushed on the driver's seat. Hmm. So whoever had this car before, and there's no kind way to say this, but whoever had this car before wasn't fat and didn't ruin the foam on the driver's seat. So, and that's a, another big thing for me because I don't weigh a lot. And I don't, I've, for those of you who remember Silicone Sally, that car, whoever drove that car before was obese William Howard and Taft. just destroyed that driver's seat. And hey, if man, it's physics, you know, I want a driver's seat that's going to be comfortable. Uh, so that's that's like a thing um so yeah and that's another thing about trying to find forerunners because now it's a larger vehicle so larger ve people are going to own it and 
I'm going to have to sit in that seat and feel if there's give or has it been all pancaked? Mm. I think we should get to these questions. Yeah, this is as long as we've gone without getting the super chats. 40 minutes and not even get the super yeah, chats. I'm gonna... All right. Oh, it's a little, these are polarized, so it's a little bit hard to see screen. Uh, I'll be definitely getting another martini in this. Ooh. Going to the very, very top. Or the very, very bottom. Okay, first up, it was Matt Barthenhouse. Thank you for your donation. Donation say, I just want, I just want to the Mazda Protege Five to be publicly acknowledged. Three more rusted out in the time it took to write this comment. Love y'all. Yeah, Mazda Protege Five. Lots of regular stuff we need to do. Lots of boring stuff. People keep offering us fun stuff that I want to drive. What can I say? But yeah, that's a good suggestion. Thank you, Matt. Evan Collins, with a generous donation, thank you, said, I sold my Volvo 245 that I paid $400 for in 2019. I drove it for 25,000 miles and sold it for $2,500. Good on you, man. It's a nice chunk of change. Cheers to a wild car market looking for a Cadillac Catera as my next Hoonmobile because life is too short to own a fifth of Volvo. Hell yeah, man. Find a Cadillac Catera. My uh, suggestion for you is South Florida. Try to search around the villages and other retirement communities. You may find a nice one. Hello, Boris. Good to see you. A familiar face. No question from Boris. Just a donation. Thank you, Boris. Congra congratulations to Roman. He says thank you. He's on his way, I guess, back to the bathroom or something like that. Aaron Crutchfield. Thank you for all those stereos you make. Uh <laughs> Two questions. Thoughts on a five-year-old boy that thoughts on five-year-old boy to hike the full app. Well, he had his parents with him, and I guess he was carrying a light pack. And that was Monday's video announcement. That uh, was that Monday's video announcement that you got. No, I didn't get a forerunner. I'm trying to get enough money to buy a decent forerunner because I don't want to buy a junk one. I want to want buy one that's not going to hold the channel back with a bunch of things to fix on it. As much as I like working on cars and tinkering on them. The car that I buy has to make money, and it's not going to make money if it's sitting up in my garage not doing anything. So you got to play that balance plus Toyota tax. So, yeah, so that's why I'm taking those uh, sponsorships because I need a Toyota 4Runner. And that's like a thing like when I got the email with, yeah. with Keeps, I said I'll do it if I can just uh, – um, Insert the words Toyota 4Runner into it. <laughs> so if anybody else says yes to sponsorships, the criteria is yes, I'll do it, as long as I can keep saying Toyota 4Runner. <laughs> um, Delightful. So, yeah. Good questions. So um, was it the five-year-old's boy? Okay. Does a five-year-old boy have agency? Um, Does a five-year-old boy have certain... Does a five-year-old boy, can he really make his own decisions? Depends. How old are, you're not even in first grade yet, unless you're, like, advanced. Yeah, unless you're advanced. Yeah. And, um, and even then, what is advanced for a first grader? Wiping yourself? Yeah. <laughs> you can be unsupervised and go to the bathroom. Yeah. You can, you're, you're, you're trustworthy enough to take a note to the office. Yeah. I mean, 
five-year-old agency is about knowing what you don't like rather than what you do. Yeah. And so I think on the other hand, like I, I kind of want to give five-year-olds more credit, but cause I've known some, well, I mean, I've had smart five-year-olds in my family, but not to the point where I would take them trail hiking. No. Like, or th that would just end terribly because I don't think kids today are wired for actually, no, I shouldn't say I, I don't think kids from any generation are necessarily wired for that. Unless we're talking little house on the prairie times. Yeah. You know, unless you're a frontier family. Yeah. Unless this kid that, came from like grew up on a farm, then I could see that. Yeah. But even then maybe military dad who got the kid, like always exercising, maybe he has some good genetics Yeah, that he's not going to like little kids build up lactic acid like like their bladders fill and i gotta pee all i gotta pee you just pee yeah i gotta pee again yeah, that's basically me all the time so since i was a kid how much was it really his and how much was his parents so you're the youngest kid to fully hike and how many times did that kid cry and how, maybe he didn't maybe he is an outlier liar i don't mm -hmm. know i didn't run into him i heard about the family with the five-year-old that came through in the at um i didn't see them Unless they had like Mormon superpowers where everything <laughs> is cool. Everything is cool in the gang. Yeah. You know, that I could see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a I, I know it's a, yeah, like everybody saw a book of Mormon and South Park and everything. But literally, have you ever met a dickhead Mormon? No. Well, no. No. So maybe they're on to something. Maybe. Or maybe this, like, well, it's the end of that South Park episode. Like, yes, I know this is a silly thing, but if it teaches you to be a better person and not be a dick, then great, fuck you. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's Does like you're. Off at the end of it? I don't remember. I I do think he's like. You know, well, it's basically the whole thing, like you said. Of well, I was. You're here judging me for my beliefs, and all I wanted to do was be your friend, yeah. irrespective of those beliefs. And yeah. you know, you're just. Yeah, it's basically like a go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good questions. Cooper Billups, thank you for your donation, says, here's the tally hall line you like, Mr. Regular. So kids, pack up your mom's car, back up the Windstar, kick it and drive and arrive at the Mega Mart. Slide the side hatch with pride because your ties match. I think I boogie doo you like my name is Ari Thatcher, WWTHD. We like to kick it at the university, but no... Uh, but all work and no play, something, something. So we hop in the bump in SUV. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tally Hall, excellent. See, Tally Hall is melancholy to me because that album came out the year, like in a few months after I graduated from college. And I was in that post undergrad, I like withdrawal, college mm. withdrawal. I miss it. My boys are gone. The gang's gone. The gang is gone. They're everywhere else. They're, and now here comes this album about how fun, how fun college is. Yeah. Like, fuck, I missed it. Now I still had some friends who didn't graduate yet. So every other Thursday, I just go drive up for thirsty Thursdays yeah. and go out and party. Yeah. And I, I like so much. I just wanted to enter the womb again. Yes. Yeah. I, I was the exact same way. I used to keep going up to Penn state cause, um, my summit girl now girlfriend is, was up there and I would want to go hang out. And after a certain point, 
you get to an age where you can no longer get away with doing that without feeling like an interloper Yeah, where I don't belong here. I'm too old to be going out on thirsty Thursdays or I'm too old to be doing state patties. I'm yeah. too old to be doing the blue and white game. Well, I never actually go to the blue and white, but blue and white weekend. Yeah, And it's like, I, I, but I miss that feeling so much and you can't recreate it because it's no. like Pangea suddenly like drifting yeah. and you know, the boys are everywhere else and you just can't recapture that. It's yeah. such a, a feeling that is lost that yeah. they always say, uh, there's this one screenplay I read that got turned into a TV series called, I think like where the street lights never go off or something along those lines. And there's a line in there about how you never again have the type of friends you have when you're like 12 years old no. because it's like those adventure friends. Yeah. But I would say like you have those friends in college you do. because you, they, you're going on an adventure. Like, Hey, yo, I got to be up tomorrow for an example. Fuck it. We're doing shit tonight. Yeah. yeah. This <laughs> very night. Like, you know, I hear like Steve Mopar has a party going on and, you know, I hear they're doing like jello shots and somebody's going to like, you know, light themselves on fire or get kicked in the junk yeah. professionally. I don't know. <laughs> um, and hey, th and that's the weird part about it is that a lot of the appeal of those parties it would almost be an afterthought that they would throw in like, oh yeah, girls are going to be there. Like, <laughs> it's just like, well, but that's not why we're going. No. It's like, okay, it's an added bit, but like, no, we're there to be like guys hanging out with other guys. I'll never forget. Like I was able to like crawl half back into the womb for grad school um, or grad school rather part two. Cause we met in grad school part one. Yeah. I went back for almost a second round of grad school. I almost have two matches. Like if I would, this is just a dumb brag thing and college would never be the same. Um, but if I go back for like maybe 12 more credits, I'll have a second master's degree. I'll have a master's in English education that I won't use, <laughs> but that's what I was there for. But once I completed enough for my master's plus cert, I just took that mm. and then didn't come back for a double master's. or I didn't never came back after Alaska because I started RCR, but that bit for grad school part two, that's when I was living at 149 main street. And, um, Monica, no, yeah, yeah, no, Monet, I'm using real names, but Monet, and then later Corey Walton, and then Tyler Grimm were my three roommates, and I got to go back a little bit, because they were all seniors, so, or rather junior seniors, so, and they were already, like, they were all it was great because we kind of had the nerd house. Yeah. So they didn't really party, but occasionally we would go out. We would always go out to the K-Town pub because it was kind of neat because Shorty's was done. Like I felt way too old to be going to Shorty's, which was like the college bar. Yeah. But going to the pub across the street felt a little bit. I would see other grad students at the pub. Do you mean the tavern? Like uh, no, the down the street? The, or the is there a different? Up, the tavern's upstairs. Like Shorty's is downstairs. The tavern is upstairs. It's the same business. It's just oh. cheap drinks downstairs and then classy stuff upstairs. Oh. Um, uh, the pub was across the street and there was also Basin Street, which was almost spitting distance from our house. Mm. So it, I had a little bit of that, that I'd be able to walk in either to Basin, the Basin Street Hotel. It's one of these, like, is it one of these Pennsylvania things where you say you're going to the such and such hotel? There's no rooms. Yeah. It, they're just holdovers from when there used to be like roadhouses and stuff and like, 
actual saloons and like pre-car days because that's how old these towns are yeah but there actually was hotels um yeah. that had a restaurant and bar so that was just like a townhouse so there was basin street and then there was the k-town pub so it was fun just walking in the k-town pub and always seeing someone you knew now from grad school mm. and we wouldn't stay out late so there wasn't no leaving at last call anymore so that was fun yeah um oh there was this one uh, people from alaska will get this line but or other people from the northeast like going to the k-town pub the one thing that i'll never forget about the k-town pub is the overflowing coat rack <laughs> that in the winter time because everybody has their winter coats on yeah. but then you go into the pub and it's packed so it's hot so yeah. you got to shed this parka and there's just this, it started off as an orderly rack and now it's just this mound of coats yeah. that you have to hunt through to get your coat to leave. It's like its own organism. Yeah. It's just like, um, parade float of winter coats. So I was able to go back into the womb for just a little bit, although there wasn't the reckless abandon drinking that there yeah. once was. Yeah. And I couldn't have beverages and wake up and feel fine yeah no that those days are never ever coming back someday if i like make enough money to be able to have you know everybody says oh, i want to make a movie i want to make an animated movie and just be but it's just like uh, a love letter to 2002 mm -hmm. college so or maybe oh three um and it would just be like it would you could name it after any university but it would just be about kutztown well my lifelong dream has been win an oscar and so if it were possible that i could uh, help you fund this thing as a producer and yeah. you direct the thing maybe we could win an animated short film oscar yeah. for some reason i'm trying to think of like categories that would not require me to be famous to win because that's not happening for me mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's like uh yeah no um Try not to let this award go to my head. So, <laughs> so Quacom says for a nice price. Thank you. Regular, I have to call bullshit about calling yourself a bad teacher. Your videos have taught me more about literary concepts in 17 years than, than of school did. Thank you. And stay tuned Monday. <laughs> stay tuned Monday. Oh, this, this accident happened in filming because I said the wrong word. Mm -hmm. And I called the one concept literary construction and not literary um uh composition yeah i kept saying literary construction and i caught myself at the end yeah but i started playing a i, I wasn't really playing a character i was just playing myself teaching it yeah because i have a different cadence when i teach yeah so or when i taught so i just reverted back to that yeah which was like a half conversational like i'm sort of asking a question at the end when i do this sound a little bit like obama <laughs> it was kind of like that and then um and then I put in lines that I said in real life when I was teaching. So yeah. I'm teaching a lesson, talking about this sort of stuff. I see your hand. and I, I won't forget about you. I see your hand. Yeah. And one kid who wants to make a comment, usually to waste my time. Yeah. But just talk about themselves or something like, I see your hand and the hand will go down. Like, I promise I'll get back to you. Half the time I forget. But at the end, say, okay, whose hand did I miss? And there's your hand and we'll get, we'll get the questions. But I was able to wrap that up into saying, did I say literary construction i meant literary composition nah. i'm like was that your hand in the beginning 
okay, thank you. And then a line and a technique I actually used is if a student corrected me, I would give him five extra credit points on the next test. I'm like, thank you for correcting me. Five extra credit points. And yeah. then everybody else goes, but I knew you said that too. It's like, yeah, but yeah, you, didn't say, yeah, yeah. you didn't say anything. Yeah. Like, write down my book, five extra credit points. <laughs> then that kid's happy. I'm happy. Moving on. Yeah. Very nice. That's a nice uh, little touch. Car foolery. Uh, as uh, an MR2 one. I want more drinky drink and I want more chasey chase. Car foolery says my 500, where, how did you find a $500 91 MR2? Hit 300. Wow. There's wow. Five, 340,000 miles. Very excited to see how this long, how long, Hey, if it's still running, it's still running before I do a three S GTE. Oh, come on. Fourth gen, fourth gen, fourth gen. You got to do it. Best $500 car. Love you guys. Yes. That MR2. Is, um, I can take the next one while you do drinky drink. Okay. Um, but yes. All right. So Dr. Thermostat, uh, $20. Thank you so much. Um, yo, love the content. I run a little media preservation thing and wanted to know if it was cool if I worked on RCR, keeping it backed up, not reposted, of course. And if so, is there a high quality version of the Dodge Avenger video? Um, to my knowledge, there isn't. Um, I, there's no problem with backing this up. I actually really appreciate it. Um, I have some videos. I obviously don't have them all. <laughs> um, you would think that I would be smarter and back everything up, but I don't, um, which is dumb of me, but what else is new? So there's, I, there's nothing wrong in my mind with doing that. And I think, um, if worse comes to worse and we ever needed something that we lost, I would hope we'd be able to contact you. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you for the $20. Um, car foolery again. Thank you for the 10. Um, let's see. Would you consider expanding on the concepts of modernism and postmodernism? Your channel introduced me to those concepts about two years ago, and I would love to hear more about your views on it. Um, I would love to be able to in the, uh, but it's also something that's, I have trouble explaining on the fly because a lot of the times, um, I feel like it's a very, a concept, two concepts that have, um, shifting definitions, you know, um, I guess postmodernism is kind of like a, a very stringent sort of critique of the things that we're sort of consuming in society so that, you know, modernism isn't really the, God, why am I having such a hard time explaining it? This goes back to like the things that we were talking about earlier of how you go about explaining something you just know, because I know what I'm talking about, but I don't know how to explain it. Um, the reason the PT cruiser video that goes into these topics, um, I did a lot of research on those to try to find the most succinct ways of explaining it. But it's one of those things where I didn't actually retain any of these succinct ways of explaining it. And so I wish I could give you a better answer than to just say that postmodernism is this critique and rejection and uh, reevaluation of things that we've come to accept as sort of continuous modern values, but I don't think that that's the appropriate approach. And, um, so I'm going to wait for Brian to get back because I feel like 
he could answer this question perhaps more succinctly than I could. But in the meantime, I'll just check out a normal chat question. Um, and have you considered reviewing a Dodge ca Caliber SRT4? Um, have we ever even been offered a Dodge Caliber SRT4? Yeah, I'm sure they're in there somewhere, but none of them were really close. Can't wait to shit all over that car. So Car Foolery um, is asking if we could perhaps um, expand upon the concepts of modernism and postmodernism. Hell yes. Because I've been waiting to bring out the cheat sheet. Hold on. Yeah, I've been having trouble trying to distill this down into its essence because it's something where I know that what they're supposed to be, but I don't know how to explain that. This is a great little handy book. Almost like a manual. Can can they see it? Um, uh, my in I'm lagging, so let me. Um. Yeah, you can see pretty. Okay. Well. Christopher Buffer, postmodernism, modernism, a very short introduction. So this is like Cliff Notes. For postmodernism. Yeah. So I told you how postmodernists happen. It happened as a reaction to modernism, which happened as a reaction to romanticism. Romanticism, everything's great. Let's go off and jack off in nature. Modernism <laughs> says you're wasting your time. The world is real. The only way to get to truth is through hard work. Postmodernism says, hey, with the atomic bomb, everything can be destroyed. So what's the point of truth? Don't work hard. See, what did I tell you? Like, he's way better at more succinctly uh, putting these points in than I am. And that's because it's like uh, postmodernism is valuable as a form of critique. But the idea is that I feel like we're in a stage where people just call everything postmodernism. Yeah, if something's weird, they call it POMO. You know, like the Simpsons called it POMO. <laughs> so a list of illustrations. There are different kinds of new ways of seeing the world. Page 13. Well, we talked about that. What you really need is example. The culture of postmodernism. Yeah, that's where we are. 62. Hmm. Let's see. See, this is where, like, when you read academic writing, you almost have to read it a bunch of times to know what they're talking about. Uh, postmodernist thinkers and critics have often wished to coop the artistic avant-garde as examples of the importance and influence of their ideas. Lyotard, not surprisingly, saw it as the job, and I'm probably mispronouncing his name, as the job of contemporary artists to question the role of meta-narratives of modernism. See, already reading this is like reading a car manual. They expect you to know the definition of what is a meta-narrative. What is modernism? The question is the role of meta-narratives of modernism, which, which means is, like, why do we have to work? Which means, why do you have to toil? Which means, why do we have to put effort into results? Why can't I just have results? Yeah. Because the results exist, I should be able to just know it. You know a little bit of postmodernism is when the teacher asks a complicated question and you have one kid who raises his hands and, and just says, can you just tell us the right answer? Yeah. Yes, I could, but will you understand it? No, and I don't care Yeah, where there is truth to that. Um, Postmodernism is the LSAT for the person who doesn't actually care what any of the answers are mm -hmm. because the LSAT is every answer is the right answer. You have to pick the most right answer, mm -hmm. and that's not really how right answers work. 
Like there is no objective truth. The new Hoover Quad Reflex uh, from 1981 to by Jeff Koons, the fine art of museum display is applied to the ordinary consumerist objects. This is fantastic to show you how long we've been dealing with postmodernism. You can just imagine this, but this is a museum display from 1981 of a bunch of vacuum cleaners from like the 50s and 60s. That's it. Hmm. That's all it is. Oh, wow. Where have we seen something like this recently? Vaporwave. It's just a picture of a bunch of 80s stuff now in the 2020s. Yeah. I, I mean, I think of cars like the Mach-E, which are kind of taking, it's almost as if to say there is no objective signifier of what a Mustang is. It can now be this electric car and that we're redefining necessarily what a muscle car is mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I don't know. Truth is something that is always shifting, which is why in postmodernism, it's not really truth. And I think to a greater extent, I was having this conversation with Foster, you know, him as a, can I, can I, can I talk about this without like, I don't want to blow up the spot. Well, is it relevant to the story? Well, it's about, okay. It's about the one individual who referred to anything he doesn't like. He was telling me the story about this person he knows who refers to everything he doesn't like as Democrat. Oh, using, yeah. using that word as simply an adjective for lesser. Hmm. And I'm like, that's really immature, but at the same time, so linguistically pure. Yeah. Because I know exactly what he means. Yeah. At his bones. Yeah. And, but at the same time, I, I understand and slightly pity that person because he's struggling with postmodernism. His world is no longer fixed. Yeah. And he he worked a, a profession where everything was fixed. Yeah. You know, there were hard rules. And when people come face to face with POMO, some people just collapse. Yeah. They quit. And I understand it as well like the first time I had a postmodernism class in grad school part 1. This is before I met you. Like it freaked me the hell out. Because it's the concept of there is no right and is there wrong? Yeah. Like, but how do I get a good, how is, I remember asking him this professor, we had this postmodernist book to study. Yeah. And it, part of the book is you destroyed part of it. You had to rip pages out and create Mobius strips out of things. Oh, wow. And this is like, this is like semester two, year one of grad school. Like I had some, some, a bunch of classes that I understood. You just read the book and answer and write a paper about the book. Yeah. Fantastic. But then I hit POMO. And it, it's weird because I did not have a modernism class. Like I didn't have Schwartz, Schwartz's modernism or, or um, Vogel's. He had something else, but that worked into it as well. Yeah. That actually I had Schwartz for modernism. And then I, once I understood modernism, like, oh, postmodernism is just. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's postmodernism. Like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so, but when people, I, I totally get it how people freak out and like they, they try to keep putting things in boxes. So this guy is either here, is either you're with us or against us. And like, you're just Democrats. And yeah. like, you, the world is, the world is like a Pennsylvania overcast gray. Yeah. Colors are gone and they're simultaneously there, but it, it, it hurts people's brains to think about this stuff. Yeah. There's like a psychic wound left behind by oh, all of yeah. these uh, changes to society that they can't reconcile. The meaning and shades of layers are meanings to be found in the components, which means everything's gray but there are variations in that gray. The ubiquitous garb. Oh, this is such a good word. I need to look it up. Can you look up a word for me? Sure. Shoot. Gabardine. Gabardine. G-A-B. Yep. A-R-D-I-N-E. Uh, a smooth, durable, twill-woven cloth, typically of worsted or cotton. Hell yeah. Or the ubiquitous garbadine garball. Garbadine suit of the pa the paisley scarf, the white silk handkerchief displayed in the breast pocket of his jacket, the drooling schnauzer, the black leather trousers, the high-heeled boots, Gelsia's swept-back blonde hair, the hairdo emphasizing a sleekness, a sexual sharpness, bringing her paled, fine-boned face into greater prominence. The gleaming car with its red leather upholstery. And finally, the partially open French windows on the ground floor revealing vertical slivers of the interior life. All this to spell out the new German competence and sense of satisfaction and completion. It's all there. The innate German upper and upper middle class instinct to combine what is essentially perfection with the menacing. Ooh. And that's from a novel, Walter, or article, Walter Abish, How German Is It from 1980. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is all surface level material. There's no, are these pers are these people good or are they just good at looking good? Yeah. The sleek back hair, the high heeled shoes, the perfection. That's such a good line. What is essentially perfection with the menacing. Yeah. You know, or. Uh, see, we could just keep talking about this. Yeah. So it's an endlessly self-renewing so topic. To yeah. Because know? we're still in postmodernism. I thought for a while in the 2000s that we've moved on to hyper-realism. Yeah. But the pandemic ended that. I think, nope, we're still in POMO. We still haven't come to grips with it can all go away. Yeah. So we're back to postmodernism again. We may have had a subset of hyper-realism at the very end of like, uh, at the very end of the Obama administration where things were pretty much okay. Granted, drone strikes and everything else. Yeah. Drone striking even more than Bush did, whatever. But generally people were kind of okay. You know, hip hop was cool. Um, uh, yeah, a bit of school shootings, but generally, generally people were satisfied. Yeah. And I felt at that point, people were just 
concerned with having fun and presenting. Like that was like the height of the hipster era. Yeah. Was, you know, 2000 and like 11 and 2000. 2000, let's see, was, it was 08, re-election was 2012. 12. So yeah, 12, 12 to 15, the height of the hipster era mm. where people were looking, people were looking to be just like the genuine article. There's no distinction between this hipster and like a sailor. <laughs> like a yard worker or a guy who runs a forklift. Yeah. That's when the, we saw the C10 price, uh, Chevy C10 prices going crazy because you wanted to look just like a guy who walks around with a high vis shirt, which is a style I see that didn't catch on here. Yeah. But I, no. was I was glad to see it like, and uh, like uh, on that one YouTube channel, uh, the big Les show and the character Mike Nolan, who just wears like a high vis, -vis shirt everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I understand a lot of the anxiety that comes along with those, the everything from like 2015 on, 2016 on. Yeah. Um, and not even getting into the whole pandemic thing. It's just, you know, there is this um, look, this search for meaning in sort of avenues that don't provide it that's yeah. why you see so many people seeking answers on facebook on twitter on mm -hmm. reddit and that's just part of how society evolves the means of the dis distribution of information has changed mm -hmm. so that maybe some people are like learning things from like us as terrifying as that might seem mm -hmm. of like watching an rcr video and maybe that's where their understanding of what you know formalism ends up being mm -hmm. but which is flattering and i'm not saying but people have told me that where you know um they didn't know what these things were these critical um tools i suppose were but it really causes you to kind of like reorder your perception of society because you know you'll have people who you know uh hate socialism, but get mad that they don't get the military discount or, you know, <laughs> oddly specific. I wonder why that is. Yeah. We won't um, go into that. Yeah. Uh, or, um, uh, just other things that uh, like my uncle, God love him. He's just very much like the person that you described very yeah. much. Um, this way, that way men's work, women's work. Oh, he's the guy who says, Oh, that's woman's work. Well, no, I mean, but he's like, does he do his own dishes? Sometimes. <laughs> um, and I, I really do love the guy, but it's just, we disagree on a lot of things. And, but I also feel like I'm a better person for knowing him because it helps to have that challenge in your life. Like people who challenge you sometimes, even if you disagree with them, that mm -hmm. you sort of learn to interact with people with whom you disagree and which is a valuable thing because not everybody in life is going to agree with you. Not everyone who is putting your path is putting your path to make you feel good or mm -hmm. make you feel safe or make you feel reassured. And that's not exactly how I, I want to be able to handle things. I feel like I owe it to myself and to the I don't know, to, to be better at handling adversity or handling disagreement. And so you end up being more thankful over time for the people who challenge you because without them, you're just living in an echo chamber.
And it's so easy to live in an echo chamber. Yeah, it really is. Uh, might even be comfortable and preferable to live in uh, an echo chamber because realistically, if you want to um, sort of challenge yourself, like leaving your comfort zone is the hardest thing you will ever have to do in oh, some yeah. respects. I mean, eventually, oh, I'll do a private yoga with someone so I can finally learn those moves. Yeah. Shout out if anybody out here is a yoga teacher who can just teach me the basics. So I don't have to try to keep looking at the instructor to figure out what on earth this stuff means. Well, I literally did DDP yoga, which is awesome. Yeah. Which um, I got the DVD. I got the thing. He walks you through everything. And it's including like he goes through it if you have like bad hips, bad knees, like this is how to do it. Mm -hmm. It's completely customizable yoga. There are people who swear by it who have improved like flexibility a hundred times over. Mm -hmm. And um, he's gotten all types of people in the business clean just because uh, a pro wrestling business clean and had and extended the longevity of their in-ring careers, people like Chris Jericho. And so it's very interesting to see. Um, I really need to get back into it because I gained like insane flexibility and I had this like you know, costochondrital type of like chest pain that went away like a month after starting it. And then I like moved and lost my yoga mat and I don't know where any of it is. Nah. <laughs> and it's weird. Um, but yeah, I, I just, um, yeah, I got nothing else other than to shamelessly plug ugly sparkling water. It's perfect for helping you kick soda cravings because it's the only sparkling water that is made to taste like a soda oh, without actually having like sugar or sodium or caffeine or anything. It uses natural um, flavors yeah, and so sparkling water. Huh? A free plug for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, like th this. Oh, yeah, please. It's the, I didn't know it actually was flavored. I thought it was just. Yeah, it's orange soda flavored um, and tastes like I have the flu. Yes. And uh, also they have the cherry cola, the lemon lime, the Dr. Ugly, which is their but Dr. Pepper. it does Pepper. taste like something. Yeah. As opposed to me who just drinks the unflavored stuff. Yeah. I have to have like some kind of flavor, but I don't want there to actually be sugar or any like no, actual no, no. sweeteners in there. So it's funny because it does, it doesn't taste like orange soda right away, but the more you drink it, the more it does. Yeah. It's one of those things. Their cherry cola thing smells exactly like cherry cola. And then you taste it and you're like, yeah, that's all right. And then the more you drink it, you're like, okay, this is cherry cola. Like you trick your brain. It's like oh. that type of thing. And Did they only give you orange. Uh, no. Um, in that variety pack, I thought it was all like when you got it, it was all orange, but okay. I had ordered, um, a, yeah, it was all orange, mm. but um, like subsequent packs, like because this was the only version that I couldn't get at a store. I had to, oh, okay. whereas because they're ex sold exclusively at, I believe, CVS. And so you have to go to CVS. You can get an eight pack there. It's not going to be in the uh, cold case or whatever. And uh, you just get usually they have the ones that they have are cherry punch fruit or cherry cola fruit punch. Um, and sometimes they'll have like maybe lemon lime or Dr. Ugly, but I wanted to try the orange soda. So I ordered it off the internet <laughs> and, um, I guess instead of a variety pack, I just got all orange soda, which is fine by me. It's fine. Um, it's a thing that like whenever I'm feeling like the nightmare demons of sugar itis are clawing at my flesh, mm -hmm. I can always drink one of these and feel like I'm at least 
somewhat sated. I mean, it's not going to do the same thing for me that a Coke does in a movie theater, mm. which is the greatest place to ha- in which to have a Coke is the movie theater because it goes perfectly with popcorn. But you're right. It does. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's some would say it's the subliminal advertising that they do in those little ads before the movies of like, Hey, you have popcorn already. Why not a Coke? Listen to these ASMR sounds of the ice dripping and then the soda being poured and then the fizz. Yeah. And, uh, but after a while, you know, I cannot think of a time where I went to a movie theater, got a Coke and a popcorn and didn't regret it on the ride home. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel awful 100% of the time. <laughs> but in that moment when the lights go down and you have your popcorn and your Coke, it's like the best feeling in the world being back in the movie theater and you just mm-hmm. got your snacky snacks. And, but yeah, I, every time I like, I go home feeling like garbage, absolute garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Alex says, hope you guys love the Plymouth. I love the review. I just wanted to let you guys know that I picked up an English minor in college because of you. Thank you. Makes me feel good. Um, Yeah, enjoy it. Read a lot of stuff. And let your world dissolve because that's what an English major does. But it's supposed to. Don't worry. It's very true. Flippy Bacon says, I learned stick shift in order to drive my first daily in 93 Honda Del Sol with a rebuilt engine. Very nice. I was 16, took about eight to 10 weeks. Okay. Yeah, that's, that sounded about right for me. It was like eight to 10 weeks. No, it definitely took me longer because I didn't have a lot of time with mom's MG. But so it took me probably the better part of a year where I wasn't, where hill starts no longer um, scared me. Hmm. I did not check if that thing had a hill hold feature or not. I do not believe it does. Okay. I probably doesn't. Yeah. So you're going to be using the, emergency mm, yep. brake a lot so to do a hill start mm. and i have to use the emergency brake now occasionally with the forester because i disconnected the uh, hill hold feature because it started hill holding on the flats yeah and it broke um you know the hardest part about driving is pulling into my garage that's the hardest thing i do is um because it's uphill and then there's a little lip so just that little lip means there's a lot of clutch feathering mm. to pull in smooth up over that bit. So that's the hardest thing of my hardest bit of driving I ever do is just pulling it into my garage. Yeah. Well, coming to you today, I was uncommonly early for me because I left super early because I was worried about traffic. Sure enough, I get stalled for the better part of like 40 minutes on just this one stretch of like 422. Mm. And I thinking like if I had been in the, the Rio, Mm -hmm. like it just would have been this stop and start nightmare or this stop and go nightmare where I'm just like, "Mm," cause I'm, yeah, I'm on on off. off. And there was this old traffic sucks. Yeah. And a manual. There's two ways about it. There was this old guy in like a Chrysler behind me who like every time I would lurch forward, he would get a little bit closer to my back bumper. And I was like, and I'm trying to think of like a way of just like, getting him to back off and i can't think of it because there's like a, an suv right in front of me uh thankfully without a soft light a salt life uh decal but i'm essentially like pinned in eventually this it's one of those things where like get over into the left lane because the right lane's closing yeah, the yeah. minute the right lane opened back up there was still traffic and everybody still had to stay in the left lane but the old guy literally just got into the right lane and zoomed past i think ah. i was like annoying him somehow just from like I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he 
He had a significant other who dumped him for someone else in a Mustang. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, or the, yeah. Was he a Chevy guy? No, it was a Chrysler. Um, oh, was a Mopar guy. Yeah, but like it didn't. He didn't look like. He, he's just old man with Chrysler. It's, okay. it, it's that type. Not of even thing. a three hundred. Just like a Sebring or something. It, it was like Scott a thing. yeah. It was. It looked like a Sebring, honestly, or, or it was. But except it was white. Did they do the Sebring in white? Yeah. Well, they yeah, they would have. Every every car is done in white. What am I talking about? Um, <laughs> I'm losing my mind. But yes. Uh, so many questions. I don't want to have another drink. So I got to work on the Sarah after this. Oh, let me get the sign. Yeah, I get the sign. I'm getting the so sign. with the Sarah. I found a way through the firewall. Um, I got to go into it in more detail. Like getting fog lights on the Sarah is a real ordeal, but I'm happy to learn all about how the Sarah is made. And the only place that I could find to get through the firewall, because I don't want to drill through the firewall, is there's a wiring loom that goes on top of the splash guard, tucked up to the top of the quarter panel, and enters into the car slightly above where your hood release is. In fact, the hood release is part of this. But the wiring loom passes through the firewall without a simple grommet. It goes through like a plastic hard clip into place grommet with a grommet on top of that. Like Toyota wasn't fucking around when they made this car. Everything is sealed up tight. So I'm going to have to clearance that, that thing somehow to get an extra while. This is all to just run the switch, the fog light switch. Wow. And so I had the wheels off. It was up on a jack for a while. <laughs> it was a million little clips. There was so many plastic clips that hold stuff on together. You think a modern car is bad. This Sarah, they they did not spare any expense making this. And it, it's great because the car was a flop. And you can see that they just, they just went all out with the engineering yeah. to put this together. So to get it apart, I broke a bunch of clips. I'm going to have to find replacement ones because, you know, they're plastic clips that just hold stuff on. They haven't moved for 25 years. So they're all hard and stuff. So they broke. So yeah. I got to replace those. Um, but thankfully, I don't have to drill. I can. Here's a hole I can get through. I can fish the wire through. I just have to find a way to get the grommet, the hard grommet on with an extra wire going through, um, which I'm going to have to clearance something somehow. Yes. Because I want whatever I do to be able, if someone's like a total purist with the Sarah, they can undo my fog light mod and take it back to stock. Even though it, even though the car itself has been in an accident in Japan, which I will be totally upfront about when I sell on cars and bids, but can't wait to drive it again. Um, Anthony says, hello, fellas. Just popping in to say hello from Montgo County. I can't say Montgomery anymore. It's always Montgo to me. Can't stay for the whole show, but I'll be back to watch it later. Uh, link me. What is that? Like MK. What does that mean? Oh, let me know. Let let me know if you ever want to come make fun of my 83 Camaro. I don't think we did an 83. Yeah, I don't think no, we did. No, we did the IROC. We did. Some, but what uh, year was that? I forget. Yeah, I don't remember. It was probably a late 80s one. I'm sure somebody knows. That was in Chicago. Um, Boris... Boris again says a major 
a matrix head like mine has metal tie downs and the rear view opens. Not your idea, but it's just another option to consider. You could have a matrix, and that's a Toyota. It's pretty much, it's not the same, man. Nothing but a forerunner do. But I like the way you're thinking. I was thinking about a matrix for a while as well. But nothing but a forerunner will do. Nope. Thank you, though. Shia Poof says, and by the way, a Matrix is, a, is definitely a fine car. We drove one. I like them. Shia Poof says, why don't you get the four-banger forerunner? It will save. Uh, I didn't know that they did a forerunner outside of the U.S. Or I didn't know that they did a forerunner in the U.S. I thought that was Japan only, that they did a four-banger mm. Hilux Surf. Um. um I mean, if they do exist, interesting, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know what advantage a forerunner will get. It'll save gas. Will it? Or will that tiny little engine be working so hard you're not going to um, get much out of it? Raging Canadian 4 says $5 holla. <laughs> holla. Yeah, I can dig it. Refresh to freedom. I'm going to have to make some tea after this. Oh, yes. We left it at $4 holla, $5 holla. GRW from Canada says, Forerunner money, 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 money. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And, yep. Aaron Crutchfield. Hello again. Says, I wish Crutchfield would give me a discount. They are, <laughs> man. Why not? They're, they're making so much money over there. Totally. Chris Stockslager, uh, thank you very much. Familiar face. Why do you always wear hats, Nick? You have nice hair. Uh, because I'm probably going to need keeps soon. My hair is very thin on top. Uh, the camera hides it well, but... Um, I don't know. I just got like thinning areas in the back. One of the reasons I started wearing hats in the first place was that I had, um, really bad, um, acne in high school and it was always up atop my forehead. And so it was like this thing where I put the hat on and I was probably making it worse because I was like sweating and it was like being concentrated to my forehead, but it's like a chicken or the egg thing where like, okay, I could either just wear a hat all the time and cover up the acne or I could not wear a hat. And I'll probably still have the acne. So it's just something where, I don't know, I got used to the look of myself in hats. But thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. <laughs> Jessica McAndrew, Jess McAndrew says, and she said she did DDP yoga. So, and I like it. Yeah. Yeah, if you know the poses, Jess, just let me know. Next time I'm up there, once I get these fog lights into this, Sarah. Yeah, they even got an app where you can like do the whole thing on your phone. Yeah, oh, nice. Uh, Quaxum Metaphilia again with the nice donation. Thank you for your information. My girlfriend just sent you a message through the website. Re Jeff Babos, Jeff Babos, and her Twitch channel. Anyway, here's some more Forerunner cash. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Car Foolery says, What is the best way to know ahead of time when the streams are live? I don't because we don't even know. Yeah, we. You I don't, don't have know. the first idea. Like I was telling Brad, like I would love to have him back on the podcast, but I and I hope to have him on another one like sometime soon. But um, I literally don't know when that would be. 
like even if it's just like a roman and bread type like whatever yeah. that i throw up on there i just don't know because it really depends on mood you know like it has to be something we actually feel like doing otherwise it's just going to be a terrible show yeah but we never do these things if we don't feel like doing them i mean sometimes i don't feel like doing them but i'm always glad that i did yeah but it, if i'm really not feeling it i don't do it but we can't be we can't come town it where no. like being guys who don't feel like doing a podcast who do it anyway and somehow make it entertaining yeah yeah like but that's I, like the whole thing they hate doing yeah it. they don't enjoy doing but the it, thing but is we bank. go we go how long have we been going for we uh, go for an hour and 35 minutes they end an hour ago it's like they end right at like we're done. Yeah, whenever they finish, it's just like, yeah, we're done with this. <laughs> like the podcast we were listening to yesterday, or not yesterday, when we went to go get the car, was exactly like an hour and two minutes. Yeah. And it ended like right as we got there. Yeah. Uh, so it was strange. Uh, da, 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 da. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> car foolery. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Patrick McFarland. Thank you for your generous donation. Mr. Regular, have you ever done stand-up comedy? Yes, I did twice. And but it was in at a college stand-up. Um, no, I did three times. First time was horribly cringe. Second time I killed. Mm. Third time I came back with the same material, bombed. Yeah. I, I got someone sold wrap it up. They just heckled me off the stage. Oh wow. Like, that was soul crushing. Never tried it again. Yeah. They, they, now I don't need to. Yeah. Well, every Monday is our stand up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's I'm funnier on paper. Yeah. I, I'm the same. I did it once and I'm like, I'm never doing this again. And I didn't like bomb or anything. It was just like so nerve wracking that I'm just like, oh, I don't know how comedians actually do this. And really it's just, I don't even remember the material. Um, but yeah, there's probably something about, uh, the Maury Povich show people <laughs> finding like anytime someone finds out that the person they brought on isn't the father, they end up go running backstage. And I'm like, how big are the halls in the Maury show studio that you can be running through this labyrinthine place? I'm expecting them to find like a minotaur at the center of it. Yeah. And it's just like these odd things where it's just, you know, nothing happening whatsoever. It's like, uh, Hey, does anyone here watch deep space nine? <laughs> Anybody? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, because we're East Coast, and I guess even like just being on this, where we're even for someone who never did stand up, we're aware of crowd work because yeah. we're not LA. Yeah, it's like Exeter. I I never entered. <laughs> ah, it's like Pennsylvania humor, but yeah. Patrick McFarland says, "Mr. Regular, have you ever done stand up comedy? Also, would I love to hear your thoughts on the new Nissan Z? I want to drive it. I want to see. It's Nissan, and it's Nissan today." you know, not Nissan of the 80s. I'll bet, like, here's my hot take on the new Nissan Z. I'll bet it looks better than it drives. Mm. I'll bet it's fantastic to park somewhere and then you drive it. Okay, here's what the Nissan new Nissan Z has to do. It has to be more fun than a FRS BRZ 8.6. Yeah. That's a pretty damn fun, affordable car. Can you beat that benchmark? I don't mm. know. Can you? We'll find out. Uh, Patrick Lynch says, have you ever considered the... Have you ever considered the <laughs> Lexus GX 470 or 460 instead of the 4Runner? It's often in better shape. It's got nice interiors. It's just as reliable. 
I love my 2004 Lexus GX. No electric rear window. No electric rear window on the Lexus GX 470 or 460. No. Only a Toyota 4Runner will do. I mean, thank you, Patrick Lynch. Yeah. Thank you for letting me make fun of you for five dollars. Yeah, mm. I mean, like it's very nice that people give these suggestions, but we're going down with the ship. It's yeah. forerunner or die. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I should I should just keep this look, but <laughs> but then, but but then I like I'm still wear I still have to wear the head cam and it would get awkward. I mean, and it, also. Pit vipers are so big, they're higher than where I wear my four. Than I where I wear the 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 GoPro. Yeah, but it'll be great for the Sarah review because I have all the time in the world to do that, and the yeah. car is here, so I can film. You know, me just driving it with the pit vipers on. I mean, it's a pretty great look that you're pulling off. Thanks, and it is a very Randy Savage look <laughs> with the the orange bandana. So, Mandarin Pace says. Hello, Miss Brian and Dr. Romanic. I have eat beef jerky and wish to share with you, but cannot because you are insider of computer jerk beefy. <laughs> That's so jerk beefy is funny to me. Thank you, Mandarin. I appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you. Kentucky Tarnock Productions says random question, favorite cheese, smoked Gouda. Uh, extra sharp cheddar. That's a good question. That is a good question. I try to cut down on my farts for the benefit of the Commonwealth, but damn, <laughs> do I like smoked Gouda. Mm. Isaac Favely says, my Chevrolet boat got recalled. I still like it, though. Oh, man, what did it get recalled for? Mm. I like the Chevy boat. I like going to go that thing. PSD Mike 169, nice, and for a very nice price. Thank you. Uh, is a Roman question? Roman, I'm the best man in an upcoming wedding. I'm struggling to write the speech that doesn't sound like it's about me. And I don't want to embarrass uh, the groom. Hmm. Any advice? Thanks for the awesome content. So I don't, I, I want to write something, but not have it be about me. And I don't want to embarrass the groom. All right. So here, here's the thing that I'm trying to um, understand about writing wedding speeches and this difficulty that I had with my brothers um, is that you want to strike that balance, like you said, between not making it about yourself and making it about the person about whom about the person getting married. But the issue is that a lot of times if you were not natural speakers, we tend to default towards talking about ourselves. And so I think the best solution is to find a way to pivot that natural instinct towards the person who the speech is about. So for instance, like my stuff, I, and I'm not going to read my speech, but uh, or the, I talk about here because I still have it saved in my email drafts for whatever reason, in case I guess I lost the paper. Um, but I talk about how like I was the brother who was, I wasn't the cool brother, right? Like my younger brother was always the cool one. And I was afraid of a lot of things in my life, but he's the one who always had my back. And so I gave all these scenarios in which he had my back 
Um, and I understand even at the time that I was giving it, that it ended up being kind of a self, not self-centered, but I was putting it through the lens of what he meant to me in my life. But that's mostly the preamble to eventually getting into what my brother means to the people around him and how proud I am of the man that he's grown up to become. And what's funny is like, I had this speech reasonably down. I still had to have papers on me, but then I went up there to actually give it. And I just flubbed again and again and again and again. Um, because again, like I'm not good at speeches, but I think at a certain point you have to trust your feelings of what, yeah, now I sound like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, you have to trust that what you feel about the person you're giving the speech about will be enough. And you have to be willing to sort of make fun of yourself. You know, like I made fun of myself in my speech to where like I, not to the point of like self-degradation, but the point was to sort of highlight my brother and what a good person he's been and how consistently he's been a good person uh, in my life and how often I would be, I would need him, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Look through the memories in your mind and pick out the ones that best represent the person that you're talking about and don't be afraid, I suppose, to make it about your experiences with that person, because that's kind of the point, I suppose, because otherwise it'd be like, you know, just any invocation where, you know, it doesn't really matter who's giving the speech, but if you're giving the speech, there's a reason that you're giving it. Um, I ended up, borrowing this line from i don't know i i tried to kind of make it so that there was a literary quality to it because see the thing that's important is to make it your own make it your style again like if it's a speech anyone could give there's no point in making it it has to be a speech that's unique to you so i say these things like um uh, let's see. There's a narrative value to our lives. We use words like fate or destiny to assign a grand order to the arc of our lives, but we all have authorship in the way our lives turn out. Nothing we do comes pre-written, yet it's hard to imagine our lives going any other way than how they do, to have made choices other than the ones we've made. I genuinely can't imagine my brother without bride, someone as sweet, caring, and brimming with intelligence and good sense as the women who raised us, our mother, our grandmothers, our sister. Within each life is the potential for new stories to be written. Every day is the potential of a new chapter, a blank page to fill with words that say so much yet convey only a fraction of what our hearts yearn to say, yearn to express, because I ended up changing that. As Theodore Dreiser once wrote, how true it is that words are but vague shadows of the volumes we mean. Little audible links they are, chaining together great inaudible feelings and purposes. I don't know if these words are sufficient, but I offer them as my gift. I love you. Thank you for being you. And I wish you all the love and happiness that a lifetime can give. That's, there's a certain dryness to that, but that's also kind of, I think, 
my brother's understanding of how I express myself because I don't know another way, I guess. Like, I want to think that I'm sincere in expressing my emotions, but once you get up there, it gets kind of difficult to express what you mean without prostrating yourself on the altar of vulnerability. And I wish that these types of expressions came to me naturally, but I actually had to really sit down and work these out and think for a very long time about what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it. And yes, there is like a story in there or two that would, or an anecdote or two that would embarrass my brother. But I think for the most part, it, that wasn't the intention. It was just, you know, you hit the comedy beats. It's like stand up, I suppose, except you don't have people heckling you, God willing. But yeah, I, I just get, just trust in your own best instincts and understand that the people who asked you to give that speech asked you because they trust you, they love you, and the things you say are not going to uh, erode that affection. So just go with what you think is best and what is most you. That's the best I got. <laughs> Eat ass, get pussy. Also a very <laughs> valuable approach. <laughs> oh, what are we on? Uh, uh, Patrick McFarlane. Oh, wait. You talk about postmodernism a lot. Do you feel cancel culture is sort of, I have no idea. Mm. I'm taking the. Uh, LeVar Burton approach. Yeah. It's more like, what do you call it? Consequences culture. Or oh, yeah. The, something like that. Consequences, I guess. Yeah. No, it's called something called consequences for people who used to not have consequences. Yeah. I'm a white guy. I just want to say the N word. Yeah, I mean it's just a word, man. Yeah, why? Why can't I say it? Whatever they want. Yes, I. I, I uh, default to another English nerd on this one. So, yeah, I mean, Lavar is the right opinion. Yeah, and also, I mean, I think it also stems from the notion that, and I was talking about this at the cafe earlier about how people now have a certain ability that they haven't had at any point in history where they can essentially control the fate of someone's career yeah. from a keyboard so that if you happen to have a bad encounter with, I don't know, Jonah Hill, like back in 2006, there's nothing you can really do about it in 2006. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, but now it's like, if the story gets out that you had a bad encounter with Jonah Hill, it's like people start to have a negative opinion about the guy or, you know, things that would be minor that all of a sudden, like someone online will just say, eh, I don't really like him anymore after hearing that of like hearing that, well, he only tipped like 15% or hearing that, you know, he kind of blew off a fan who just wanted to say hi. Yeah. I'm not even talking about like the big, you know, things that, would essentially void someone ever being able to work again. I'm just talking about like little things. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think we're in a state where it's tough to kind of um, make heads or tails about what's fair game and what isn't. But ultimately I think if you're going to do anything or say anything, he doesn't taste like anything. Mm. 
as I sent a message to Fred and just said, yo, bro, like there's a selfie with me with the glasses on. How do I make like tea that he doesn't like, you know, suck? <laughs> Making tea to me is like learning to drive stick. It's either too much or it's not enough. Mm. There's no in between. It's either strong and bitter as hell or water. Yeah. I mean, the best tea is the tea that you make yourself. And I mean, I've never been make. able to make good. Like the only tea that ever tasted good to me is, of course, New Zealand tea that that uh, Juliet sent up, and that tea tasted good. I don't know if it, am I does, does a microwave somehow make heating water bad? Don't know. I, I mean, I the problem with like doing it the typical like boil and then steep for however long uh, is that it's like an hour before you can drink the damn thing. Mm. It's just gets it. Well, okay. Not an hour. That's ridiculous. But yeah, it's, you do have to let it steep for a decent amount of time before the flavor starts to come out and you start to get a profile. This tea that I got from the cafe, which was a mixture of two um, fruit based teas. Yeah. was actually freaking incredible. And it was actually sitting for the entire time between when I got it and when I went to go get the gas from Sheets. Was there tea bags in it? Yeah. Still oh, okay. are. If you want them. <laughs> nah. Yeah. It's. Oh, wow. That smells amazing. Let me smell. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. I took the. I put the lid back on. Yep. Smells great. It does smell great. What am I doing wrong? Greg uh, Triber says, never caught you guys live before, but your show and podcast got me through uh, a rough apprenticeship. Well, thank you. It makes me mm. happy. We were useful to you. Just wanted to say thank you. Well, thank you for watching. Thank you for your donation. Zach Heilman says, so the end, so in the end, POMO is just an, arc, our, is an academic meme culture. Um, uh, well, meme implies rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's being prize that you're doing something. Uh, yes, every encoding is a new encoding. Yes. So you are remixing. So yes, you are taking old media and repurposing it for new. And when I say meme, I'm just saying in, in terms of you know image macros. Yeah. Now a meme itself is a very broad term, something with no discernible origin where a lot of these macros can be traced to an origin of a person. So by yeah. that definition, I don't think it's a meme because memes. Now I have to look this up. Does something for something to be a true meme, does it have to have a ambiguity? Does, does its origin have to be nebulous? Like it cannot be traced to a specific person. Well, um, I mean, or I, something that like True definition. I have to look see, because for somebody me, in the comments will probably. It's like there's that. no such thing as not being able to trace it back to a source in this day and age because somebody somewhere will recognize the person in it. You know what I mean? It's like, I think for years, I want to say for years that nobody knew who Scumbag Steve was or Good Guy Greg. Mm -hmm. But actually, I don't know that now that I think of it. And I don't know that people, you know, have figured have or haven't figured out who these respective people are. So I don't know. Um, it's all so strange to me. Something that spreads from one person to another. 
an amusing or interesting picture. So, okay, the definition itself has changed because of the internet. Yeah. All right. So, Kilroy was here. That's a meme. <laughs> and that's not, that was 60s or something like that. So now we get to talk about graffiti. Graffiti, uh, hip hop samples. Yeah. So, yeah. So, in the end, postmodern is just academic meme culture. It's an interesting question. We'd have to take it apart more. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know how to distill it into a nice, succinct little phrase. Um, so, yes, you can create something unique, but the second you create it, it's not yours anymore. Yeah, but it and, also doesn't belong to anybody else. Right. It's almost like it's, well, but then it's not really public domain. It's just. This tea is starting to taste like something. Mm. But yeah, we'd have to unpack that more. Uh, but yeah, uh, you're on the right track. There are elements of truth to what you're saying. People take something and run with it and everybody puts their spin on it. Yeah, uh, Dawkins' proposal, uh, this is acoustic theory, Dawkins' proposal of the definition of a meme implied that the host has no choice in the matter. That was the flaw. We mm. love the memes. Um, I don't know. Cooper Billups says, hey, Mr. Regular, I'm trying to decide between a 2010 Honda Accord or a 2010 Lexus IS250. Is the IS250 rear-wheel drive? Looking for a fun highway daily that's also sporty. Well... The IS250 based on a Corolla. IS250. If it's rear wheel drive, rear wheel drive wins. What year did he say? Oh, an all wheel drive Lexus IS250. Well, now you're six and one, half dozen in the other. Uh, your Accord is going to be. Meh. So how much do you need all-wheel drive? Like, if you have to drive in the snow, because a 2010 Accord is going to be front-wheel drive, which is good enough in the snow. Do you work a job where you have to show up even in emergency conditions? If the answer is yes, then you buy the Lexus. If there's a winter weather advisory and you don't have to show up to work, the answer is Accord. It all depends on the snow. Good question. Thank you. And frankly, good tires and front wheel drive will get you through almost everything but the worst conditions. Do you have the time to watch me busting a sock? <laughs> hmm. Where is the link? To go to channel monetization so I can see all the things. There they are. I think we're at the end here. Oh, are yep, we? We're at the very end. The very end? That was the very end. Cooper Phil Cooper Billups was the last one. Oh, all right. Well, all right. how long has this? Oh, um, uh, we, two hours. Yeah, so yeah. we might be able to just end it at exactly two hours. Um. Yeah. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I mean, we cannot 
make any of this happen without the support of you guys. Your super chat money goes in and your, your Patreon support uh, is helping with our travel budget when RCR can eventually travel again. And you help us to exist as a much larger channel than we actually are. I spilled tea on me. As oh, a tradition. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I cannot begin to thank you guys enough. We can't thank you enough and thank you for joining us for rcr podcast number 101 mm -hmm. and until next time have a great week everybody i'm nick i'm brian and take care bye as a wrap